you end up doing all the things and you're creating so much stuff and you end up with this pile of stuff for delivering to your clients and it's not organized, it's not streamlined, there's too many moving pieces and you don't actually know if it's doing its job. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Rianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Rianne Dick here, another episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast with my favorite co-host in the entire world, Jill Giovanazzo. I think I'm your only co-host at this point. These are details. We don't need to get into it, but you are definitely my favorite, my favorite co-host. I'm glad because if I wasn't your favorite, then we'd be having a completely different conversation than the one that we've got planned today. Except that the conversation that we have planned today is all about content production and being on the content production hamster wheel and this endless feeling like you can't ever produce enough content to be able to grow your business. And I just find it highly ironic that we're talking about this on a podcast the intention of which is to be distributed out on all the channels in all the different ways and to you know have a bigger audience and all of that fun thing that leads so many entrepreneurs into that feast or famine cycle but i'm getting ahead of us right because well i used the word hamster wheel before where it's like you just can't produce enough of it it seems. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that folks end up hiring more and more people. They hire copywriters and social media people and Facebook ads people and graphic designers and Instagram specialists. And, and they don't just hire those people, but then they start buying all the courses and all the programs. And and it leads to so much outflow of time and energy and money. And is it all worth it? Is it actually giving you the return that you need? Or as, as one of our past clients used to say, does it give you the runway? Yeah. For you to be able to do the things you want to do with your business, because that's the point, right? Yeah. The point isn't just to throw money at marketing and let it be. You want to actually get something out of it. And so that's the, that's part of where we're going with this week is what does it look like? You know, whether you're outsourcing content creation or not, what is actually the key to boosting your reach and influence? And I just want to acknowledge that we are not going to turn this into a sales and marketing podcast. No, <laughs> there's Please, no, no, there's no fear of that. But what I think is so critical about this conversation is that the way we think about approaching sales and marketing has to shift as our business grows, because If the business isn't just about you anymore, then the way you do all of the things in your business has to change, whether that's the way you deliver to clients, the way you do admin work, or the way you produce marketing. That's the question that I hear a lot, which is, I know I need to produce all this content. Who should I hire? What does that look like? And once I've hired all of these people, how do I make sure that I'm not the person in the middle passing the information round and round and back and forth and all of that kind of thing. And so I was actually talking with one of our clients about this uh, a week or so ago, and she was telling me a little bit about her experience with all of this marketing stuff. I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm the founder of Money Skills for Therapists. We help therapists and health practitioners in private practice learn how to manage their finances and build a new relationship with money. So back in the day... (laughs) 
My one painful word I want to share is Facebook. We had a Facebook group. We were doing Facebook posts. Um, we were trying to do all the engagement on Facebook. We were also doing Instagram. We were also doing email. And we just felt pulled in, in all these different directions, especially to replicate and have like unique content for Instagram and unique content for our Facebook group and unique content for our Facebook page. It's like everything we were doing, we were trying to make like unique and interesting. So people were getting this constant new content from us, no matter where they went. It was a steep task. It was a steep order to try to fill. Yeah. You mentioned you use the word we in there yes. a lot. So I'm guessing that it wasn't just you doing all of oh, this. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Lots of lots of moving pieces and and a lot of people needed to support all of that content. Yes, absolutely. Especially once we pulled Facebook ads. I didn't even mention Facebook ads. So we have our, you know, our social media person who works for us. She was doing a lot of it. Then we have our ads person. Um, then we have our also ads person kind of in-house who would help with some stuff. So yeah, there are a lot of people, a lot of moving parts. Okay. First, I just want to say that Lindsay's not the only person who says that the painful word is Facebook. <laughs> No, that is a very common one I'm hearing a lot of lately. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, insert platform name of choice here, right? Like it's not about Facebook. It's not about Instagram. It's it's not about any one of these platforms. I, I think it's Gary V that says you need to create something like 60 or 65 pieces of content daily just to stay relevant in your market. Now, I don't know exactly what relevant in your market means, but Gary Vee said it, so it must be true. I really want to know which market he's talking about there. <laughs> 65 pieces of content in a day? Are you nuts? Well, and it's like, that's the only way you can stay ahead of the algorithm. And But how big of a team does Gary Vee have? Exactly, right? When you're a small business, 65 pieces of content in a month is a big deal. <laughs> Never mind a day. Well, I was going to say, like that. yeah, that's literally more than two pieces of content a day if you were to do that 65 over a month and mm -hmm. most businesses that i know i mean maybe i've been if we start thinking multi-channel right you're putting out something on facebook you're putting out something on instagram clubhouse was really big six or nine i'm really gonna date this podcast now but clubhouse was big a while ago tiktok like there's all i was of gonna these. say tiktok now and i don't know what's gonna come next i don't know what's gonna be in the the metaverse right that the company formerly known as facebook is going into next but it's funny for me to be talking about this because we all know better right we know that you don't need to be on all these channels and that you don't need to be showing up in all these places. And yet we still do it. Of course we do it because we see our peers and our competitors in all those various niches and they've got a book or a webinar series or this or that. And, and you have to do that too. Otherwise you're not being competitive. But I don't even know if it's so much that as it feels like it's, oh, it's just easy to add that, especially because we like talk about repurposing and whatnot, right? Even we've done that with this podcast where it's like, let's do the podcast, but let's record it on video and then we can just put it out on YouTube. Now, I don't know. Hi, YouTube watchers. I don't know how many hi. of you there are. I don't know if anyone watches this on YouTube. If you do, maybe you should shoot us a message so that we know and we don't like nix the YouTube part of the show. But it seems like it's just easy to do. And well, then we have to send out an email about it and we might as well, you know, do some social media clips around it. And then we need to have articles and then we, and it, but it feels like it's like the easy thing to do. 
And you end up with this monstrosity when you turn back and look at it and it's like, where did all of this come from? Well, and, and that's the thing. Like the, the YouTube watchers here, if you're actually watching this on the video, will see me laughing because this, again, this is a, such a similar thing that I see all the time with clients and potential clients coming in with this idea of, oh, it's not that much. I'll just add it onto the list of things that I'm doing. It won't take me much. And the thing is, is that it just piles up. Yeah. And by the time, like, we, we don't think of it so much sometimes about, like, time is a resource just as much as money is. Yeah. And, you know, as Lindsay was saying, you start to need to get all these people involved. You need to start to have a social media coordinator and an ads person and a graphic designer. And and the communication between all of those people, if you're if they're not all on the same team to begin with. I don't, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it reminds me of a, a question I saw in a Facebook group once, which was, you know, help me figure out how to streamline this. This is how it goes whenever I have a podcast episode to produce. So, so so-and-so gets the raw audio and writes the show notes, and then someone else figures out what the quotes and the tweetables are, and then someone else turns that into the graphic design stuff, and someone else then makes sure that it goes on the website. And, And what this person was saying is there has to be a simpler way because I'm in the middle of all of this, I I think of it, I'm going to show my geek card here, right? Like a router, like, you know how you have a router off of your internet that the idea of a router is information comes in and the router decides which computer to send it to. Like, do I send it to the TV because this is Netflix or do I send it to your iPad because this is some iOS game that is the data coming in? And you have to be the router in the business saying, here's this information coming in. Where does it get distributed to? I I think it was actually in season two where we were talking with Autumn Whitboyd and she had mentioned her air traffic controller for the business. Same kind of thing, right? Yeah. And what I think is so interesting about this conversation is it's the exact parallel situation as folks end up with in their client delivery, where you end up doing all the things and you're creating so much stuff and you end up with this, again, this pile of stuff for delivering to your clients and it's not organized, it's not streamlined, there's too many moving pieces, and you don't actually know if it's doing its job, if it's valuable. And then you go to outsource it, and in a lot of cases, the vendors promise this turnkey content kind of ideal, right? Where they deliver something that you can just turn around and just put straight up, and you overnight become an author or an influencer or anything along those lines. And it's just, it's not the case. Yeah. What I really think that this comes down to though is a concept that we talked a lot about in season one which is the exchange of value the value to the business and the value to the client or in this case the audience the customer the person who has not yet become a customer and when we do this on delivery we use the value map right we start with the value map and we go through and we say what are all the things we deliver what are all the moving pieces and the touch points between us and the clients but recently Jill you've been doing a lot of this work with our clients and having them value map their sales and marketing process as well one client in particular that i can think of is they we say the word repurposing and i always have a good chuckle at that because When I think of repurposing, I think about taking a topic and changing the content to speak to something similar but different. But for so many people, repurposing actually just means taking content that you posted in Facebook and turning around and posting the same stuff on LinkedIn. 
or on YouTube or on Instagram. And they're just their scattershot approach mm-hmm. to marketing where you just go and you put the same thing out everywhere, going in with the value map and really honing into, okay, what are the stages that you're audience goes through Mm -hmm. as they move through that cycle of awareness Mm -hmm. they go from you know unaware to problem aware to solution aware to you aware yeah (laughs) essentially and so what topics do they talk about what topics do you talk about Mm -hmm. to bring them from one to another and i I remember the one thing that kind of got like the most oh moments like the oh wow like we never thought of this was this idea that we need to be the ones supporting the transition between those awareness spectrums. Right. Not just letting our clients happen to do it for themselves. How do you actually take them from one stage to the next rather than just putting out content all the time in this kind of unaware or solution aware type? Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's so valuable about this is just like when you do the value map for delivery and you're going through and as Jill said, you're mapping out the stages and in delivery, they're usually stages like onboarding and then module one or stage one of the project, stage two, et cetera, and through to offboarding. In sales and marketing, it's traffic, top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and sales, right? Those are the stages for sales and marketing. But once you go through and you assess what are all the different messages that are relevant to the different stages, but also what are all the different channels that are appropriate mm-hmm. those different stages, then, exactly. then we can start to have this conversation around it's not just putting content out there on blast Gary V style where it's do all the different things all the different times and be all the different places but we can start to assess is this the right message for where the person's going to be at their part of the journey based on the channel that they're listening with and ultimately that's what Lindsay came to when she was doing this assessment as well so i think it started with a process of elimination it was starting to identify we hate being on facebook (laughs) We don't like Facebook. If we don't like Facebook, are our real people really on Facebook? Some of them are, but probably mostly not. And so it was almost getting brave in being able to start eliminating things. Because when we started eliminating things, then we weren't trying to come up with all of this new content all the time. So we decided Instagram is our home. People are professionals on Instagram. I don't have to see somebody's problematic posts or their dinner um, because we've become friends on Facebook. On Instagram, people have professional posts. So for our business, working with therapists, that makes all the sense in the world. But then opening up that space by letting go of we shut down that Facebook group altogether. We just said, that's this is not it for us. We're not Facebook people. We shouldn't be there. Opened up the space for what became our real marketing tool, which is our podcast. Ah. So it was only by eliminating that noise and really kind of asking myself, what is what do I like to consume? What is my content I like? That I realized what I should have been doing all along was a podcast. Because Mm -hmm. that's what I do with my time. And that's where my quiet, thoughtful students who I love working with, that's what they do with their time is they consume podcasts. They don't necessarily scroll through Facebook. Value to business, value to client. That's what Lindsay's talking about is she went through and Facebook is not value to me or my business. And it's not Mm -hmm. where my clients are. And I loved how she identified that all the rest of it was just noise. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Going back, value to the business, value to the clients. This is that same thing where we talk about if it's not valuable to both and if it's not super valuable to one when it isn't valuable to the other, why are you doing it in the first place? Exactly. If you think about that 
red, yellow, green assessment from season one, it's if it's red, it's not valuable to you and it's not valuable to the client or red, yellow, just stop doing it. Like just stop. And, and, And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I hear so often, actually, I had this exact comment to me on last week on a call. And someone said to me, I can't just shut down my Facebook group and turn around. We were talking at this point about turning and making it into a, from a free group to a paid group Mm -hmm. for her community and actually having a curated community. She's like, I can't just shut it down. I can't do that. It's like, why not? You absolutely can. But again, you can shut down your group. You can do those things. And actually people will, in a lot of cases, thank you for it. Yeah. Because do you really want to be, think about it from the customer perspective. Do you really want to be in a group of 10,000 people where it is noisy or would it be better to be in a curated space where the conversations are ones that you want to be participating in? But I think there's another level to this too, which we talked about how there's all these team members that have to get involved and how the more channels you're on, the more, you know, you said, Jill, resourcing, right? The more time and energy that has to go into producing all these things. And I was curious and I asked Lindsay, you know, after you did this assessment and this audit and you said essentially like, where should we actually be focused? What was the impact that had with regard to your team? And this is what she said. On the team side, I think we still have the same players in place, but they can really focus on their their zones of of genius and joy. So I still have my same social media person in-house who's our kind of master of all trades, I'm going to (laughs) say. Jack of all trades, she's pretty masterful. She still does our social media, but because she loves Instagram, we just really, she's really niched into doing Instagram really well. And she comes to me with so much excitement about Instagram because she's just like living and breathing Instagram. We're, we're also TikTok fans ourselves, although it doesn't really suit our business. So we get excited about, you know, like what trends from TikTok can we bring over to Instagram? So it's really energized my team because we each get to focus on something that we really like rather than trying to do it all. So I get to really focus down on the podcast. My social media gets to really focus down on Instagram. We now have our Facebook ads in-house. So we're just really focusing on those effective and by Facebook ads, they're Facebook and Instagram ads, but we're doing a few things well rather than trying to do everything. Yeah. Like right there, that last sentence, we're doing a few things well rather than trying to do everything. Yeah. And again, this is the parallel thing that we see happen when we do a value map for delivery right? You go through, you do your value map for delivery, you figure out what the stages are, you figure out what the activities are, you figure out what's green, yellow, red, where the value is. And then you figure out, okay, now how can I get my team operating within their zone of genius to take ownership of certain pieces? And that's exactly what Lindsay described here. Once they get to do that, and again, this harkens back to some of the stuff that we talked about in season one, when we were talking about the team, Right? When they're working in their zones of genius, or as, as Lindsay put it, in their zone of joy, they're more efficient. But not only are they more efficient, because they're passionate about it, they're better at it. And they're going to just, it's going to click. Yeah. And so long as they're aligned with your purpose, vision, mission, and values for the business, then the marketing messaging that they're going to be putting out is going to be aligned too. And not just aligned, but how great is it to be able to have different voices expressing the same ideas because uh, you and I've talked about this a lot. I can talk all day long and the way I explain things will resonate with certain people, but mm-hmm. others will could listen to the exact same conversation and they won't understand really what I'm saying. Vice versa, you come and talk to that second group of people and it instantly clicks. They instantly understand, 
But you try and talk to that first group and they're like, I don't understand what's going on. And we see this all the time with our clients in delivery. Sometimes, you know, you'll be on a call and you'll say, hey, Brianne, can you come and help? Or Claire, I need you to explain this. Or Claire will be in a situation and she'll be like, I think Jill's the right person to answer this or whatever these variables are, because we all have different ways of communicating. And it's not that we're doing anything wrong. It's not how we're communicating or what we're communicating is wrong. It's because we all think differently. And even if, you know, there, there are circumstances where people, for the most part, get me, right? Get what I'm trying to say. But maybe there's this one topic that they're just not getting. Sometimes just having someone different coming in and giving that slightly different explanation, those slightly different words, that slightly different perspective makes all the difference. And the same thing's true in your marketing. Yeah. Let's just even take it to the point of talking about diversity, right? Why do we build diverse teams? Number one, because it's the right thing to do, (laughs) but it's actually better for business, right? Why is it better for business? Because you want different views in the room. You want different perspectives. You want different ways of looking at things. And so why should that just be constrained within the inside of your business? As Lindsay says, if you've got someone who loves Instagram Why should they not be the expert in your Instagram strategy? Because that comes through, right? That passion and that enjoyment and that digital nativism for that particular channel, it shows. Put me on Instagram. Everyone will know that it's not natural for me. Get Arthur to be taking over Instagram. And there's stuff coming out that I'm like, oh, yeah, I would have never thought to say that. And I'm I'm going to pause here because I'm I hear people say this in conversations that I've had or I've heard it come up in conversations that I've just been listening into that because there's so much diversity don't I have to get this same message out across all these different platforms because they everyone listens or looks at it differently it's yes and right? It's yes and. It's yes and and it's no and. Well, the message needs to be the same. We talk about this in the, again, the visionary pyramid, the what needs to be the same. What you're communicating, what the point is that you're getting across, what you're promoting, what you're expressing in terms of values, what your message is, what audience you're trying to reach, all of those need to be consistent and aligned. But the how doesn't have to be and it can be unique to each channel and it can be native to whatever channels you choose because going back to Lindsay's point you're only doing a few and doing it well you don't have to just say we're just going to take everything and blast it out across all the different channels instead we're using three channels we've got our experts in each and we're going to really make sure that what we're putting out on each channel is exactly what the audience needs based on the channel based on where the audience is at and based on what we're trying to accomplish with it. Yeah. In the end, basically, we're, we're saying be strategic mm-hmm. about your choices. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's that sums it up right there. That's what mm-hmm. this looks like when it comes to scaling your business. It's not just about doing more. And that's something we talk about so often. Like I said, we often talk about it in the context of delivery and doing more in delivery, but the exact same thing is true on the marketing, on the sales front. And so if you feel as though you're in this content treadmill and you just need to keep hiring people to be outsourcing, to reach a bigger audience, to be able to do all these things, if you're trying to emulate Gary Vee, to quote Jill from earlier in the episode, just stop. You don't need to do that. You can just stop. 
but really instead look at it through the lens of strategy. Use the value map and be able to assess, is this channel hitting what we need for the business as well as what the customer or prospective customer needs in order to be able to make a decision about moving forward with us or choose to go their own way? Because ultimately, that's what we want, an exchange of value that works for both sides of the coin. And an exchange of value that you enjoy being part of. Yeah, where your team can be involved, where you're not the only one having to own it, and where the sum of the parts is greater than any one of those individual pieces could ever be on their own. All right. I think that's everything. I think so too. But I do want to just say that if you feel as though this isn't the case, you need to go do your value map. And so I'm going to send you back to season one. I'm going to do the value map. And then I want you to give it a try. Let us know on whichever social media channel you're using. (laughs) For us, you're probably going to find us on Facebook. Or you're going to find Arthur or someone else, depending on when you're listening to this. If Arthur's still the one in charge of Instagram, then you'll find Arthur over on Instagram. But it won't be me. I can guarantee you it won't be me. But let (laughs) us know how it goes, right? How does it work for you to apply these concepts to the sales and marketing size of your business and to be able to really take the next step with your level and your business from there. And then as always, you can let us know how it goes. We're grateful that you've been listening to this episode and we'll see you next time from the unceded territory of the Qualicum First Nation. This has been Brianne Dick with Jill Giovinazzo. Talk to you next time on the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brianne Dick and Jill Giovinazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag visionaryceopodcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brianne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches, and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more info and to get started.